Welcome back, welcome back, podcast family. This is your host, Dre LLC, and this is the No Name Just Game podcast. I am here with Miss Ladora Cooper. She is a licensed real estate agent, owner and broker of her own real estate firm. She is a licensed general contractor. She sold over a hundred plus homes, and she has experience in local leadership's position among different real estate boards and associations. So I want to say thank you, thank you for being here with us. And you guys, this is going to be a great episode. So how are you doing today, Miss Cooper? I am doing great. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. I'm looking forward to the uh, podcast interview and sharing my story. 100%, 100%. Thank you for coming. I think it's going to be a great episode. Absolutely. So first, let's just start with how are you doing today? Oh, it's wonderful. Hey, I done started my day with contracts in the email and, and properties being shown. So, yeah, we're moving people forward with their housing goals. 100%, 100%. So a very productive day already so Thus far. So far, it definitely has. And so this is the highlight. I'm happy to be here and looking okay. forward to this. Oh, it's definitely the highlight of my day as well because real estate is a very interesting field. We are definitely going to go into your background and things like that. But I want to ask a question off the top because when you look at across all of the wealthy portfolio, and this is the very uh, wealthy, so um, hundred plus millionaires, billionaires, you know that level of wealth, they all have real estate in their portfolio. One hundred percent. Why do you think that is? Why do you think real estate is such a staple in the rich and wealthy portfolio? Well, if I could put it in economic terms for you, uh, real estate is a hedge against inflation. Okay. So as little as that is known. And so you've got billionaires, uh, Bill Gates, uh, you know, all the other uh, Warren Buffett's type of billionaire status people that see the portfolio as having real estate in there because real estate is solid. You know, uh, people are always going to need housing. It's not going to go anywhere. Um, you know, yes, it goes through cycles and the values go up and down. But for the most part, real estate is a solid investment and people turn over that investment and they, you know, leverage it and they're keeping it, keeping their money going. So it's very solid, you know, especially if you compare it to the stocks and things and, you know, mo- you know, stock market, nobody has control over. hundred uh, percent. But real estate 100%. tends to, it, it, the equity tends to build in that on a stable level. hundred percent. Okay. So do you, would you say real estate for a beginning entrepreneur, because like we said, the higher level entrepreneurs is such a staple in their portfolio. Do you think real estate is a good place to start for most people? Or do you think as you're already accumulating the wealth and say another business or another venture, real estate is like a place that you multiply your wealth? You know, it could be both because I think it depends on the individual and what their goals are. Uh, for instance, if you're on a nine to five and you've been there for some time, you've got a nice 401k built up. And you know that you may be, you know, embarking upon retirement in the next 10 to 15 years. So you're looking at, hey, I need this money to multiply or I want to leverage my 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 savings or my, you know, investment for my retirement. So um, a lot of times buying real estate is a tax free type of investment. And so if you buy it right, because that's the thing about real estate, you make your money on the buy. So mm-hmm. you have to buy it right at the right price and get that discount. Then you see the return on the back end. Okay. Uh, so that's really important to understand. But yeah, for people that's on a nine to five or just thinking about, hey, I want to, you know, get in as an investor. I want to get with some investment groups. I want to learn how to buy homes, even with no money down, because you don't always have to have money to do real estate. 
trust me, it's a lot of strategies out there for attaining housing. And so um, you don't need a real estate license. As little as that's known, you do not have to have a real estate license to control how you build your real estate wealth or your knowledge. You just have to rub elbows and talk to the right groups, get in the right rooms, and they'll tell you how to do it. Oh, wow. That's amazing. So somebody can get into real estate with no real estate license and no money? Absolutely. Yes, there are ways that you can attain housing, um, you know, help a family out. You know, um, you'll have situations out here, believe it or not, where people just want to walk away from their property. Oh, really? And so we try to counsel them into what's best. Like, hey, don't give your property just back to the bank. First of all, the bank don't want it back. That's number one. Mm -hmm. Bank don't want a bunch of houses sitting around because they that's what not making any money on their Mm -hmm. books. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so there's other options for families or people that's in distress whether that's sickness, divorce, or whatever it may be, um, there are other options out there for, you know, transferring that asset. And then that's where a lot of investors are able to come in and give a family relief. You know, maybe they need money to move mm-hmm. because they really can't maintain their house. And so there's a lot of options on the investment side for people to get help that way without walking away with nothing. 100%. 100%. You just have to learn how that's done. and You don't need a real estate license for that. Okay. Okay. So more more so the people who are coming into real estate. Is that a common occurrence? Are more people starting with no money and no real estate license or more people coming in with large amounts of capital coming in and or the real estate license? You know, I really, I don't know on the non-licensed side. I mm-hmm. mean, I will tell you since the pandemic, a lot of people got a lot into more people real estate are doing it. because a lot of folks were moving. And I mean, we sold record number of homes during the pandemic. And oh, that's really? crazy because you're thinking about a world pandemic. It's a health you know, crisis, people are dying. But to think that we sold a record number of homes, I think that speaks to the larger problem that in isolation, people wanted their own space. They didn't want to be in an apartment with somebody walking a bullet underneath or whatever. Mm-hmm. Then you got to figure people were working at home. So working from home or remote work made people feel like I need a better space. And so all of those things played a part into us selling a record number of homes, which brought a lot of people into it from the licensing standpoint. Um, because I think they thought it was easy. Mm-hmm. And they said it's a lot of money in it. 100%. And it is some money. It is good money in it. I don't want to lie to you, but it's not easy as people think it is. 100%. Yeah. 100%. So, yeah, we're definitely going to be able to get into that uh, a lot deeper. Um, but first, I want to go back to the beginning. So, we said you have 23 years in real estate. How did you get started? <laughs> what made you interested in getting you know, started in real estate? Hey, I'm happy that you asked it because this may be a little bit of some other people's story out there. Mm-hmm. So when I got licensed back in 2000, I was a newly divorced single mom. And so I was working uh, as a senior administrative assistant at uh, for the athletic director at Christian Brothers University. But becoming newly divorced, I knew that I needed additional income as a single lady because I wasn't married any longer. So I was what you call a dual agent, meaning I had a career, but I did get my real estate license. Mm-hmm. Real estate to me was um, something that I could schedule my own time. Again, I had two young children under 10. And so being a mom is really important, especially when you got children that young. And I needed to be able to schedule my time that I could work. I'll keep in mind, I already got the nine to five. Mm-hmm. And so I needed to be able to learn real estate at my pace, but to, um, build a foundation where I could have a solid income and move into it full time. And that's exactly what happened. And that's what I saw real estate as being that vehicle that would take me into my entrepreneurship at a full time level. And that's exactly what happened. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. So you said this was back in? 2000. 2000. Yeah, when I got licensed. Okay. Okay. What are some of the main changes that you see in the real estate game from now and then? Oh, man. I mean, you know, number one, technology. You know, because, I mean, the internet didn't play a big part as back then as it does now. I mean, now we know um, from our National Association of Realtors statistics that 80% of people looking for homes, they start their search on the internet. And so back in 2000, when the internet wasn't that prevalent or you didn't have all these other third-party sites, people had to call us or mm-hmm. you had to get a referral from your cousin or your brother and say, hey, who did you use? And so that made the business a little more easier to me or in my eyes at that time it seemed to be uh, mm-hmm. because we weren't competing on the internet for those buyers and, and real estate hadn't taken over quite like it has now. Mm-hmm. I would say that's the biggest change is technology. And um, <laughs> sadly, unfortunately, unfortunately, however you want to put it, it keeps evolving and it keeps making us have to step up what we're doing. So it's it's just never ending. It never it's stop. It's just never. Uh, it's always learning and a growing process with this because te- technology doesn't stop. Hundred percent. Now you know we've got AI into the field. AI oh, yeah. into the game. Now, there's some nice things happening with AI that helps us to you know really um, get answers and develop content and creation a lot more faster. You just type in a question, you got answers and options. So mm-hmm. I love it from that standpoint. But again. Um, I think it's going to move a lot of the older people out that don't want to learn. They don't want to go over that learning curve to do all that. And they remember how they sold real estate back then. So some people are probably going to move out the way because mm-hmm. technology ain't slowing down. 100%. 100%. So, okay, we talked about a few things off camera that I really want to get into okay. uh, when it comes to statistics and stuff. But I first I want to stay on your journey. Okay. So wh- how is – Real, how is the real estate game for the entrepreneur? Is it usually a steady flow? Is it like usually like deals are pretty much steady throughout the year? Is it like, like I can give you an example. Um, in my field, like I've been in the um, coaching space and helping entrepreneurs and things like that for probably three or four years at least mm-hmm. on the low end. And at the beginning of the year, Everybody is excited about becoming a new person. Like everybody want to get into new coaching. Year's it hundred <laughs> percent. New year, new them. You know what I mean. Right. So in January, like you really want to have your stuff together because business is coming. Certainly. Is it like that in real estate, or is it pretty much the same amount of people want to buy houses in January, in February, and all the way to December? Well, as far as the demand for housing, I think that is a steady stream. I think we, you know, we have our peak seasons. Like the mm-hmm. summertime is our peak. Really? Season. Well, you got to think. School is out. Mm. Families want to move and relocate while school is out. So it's hard to do that while children in school. 100%. So, yeah, the summertime is our peak time as far as people buying homes. Uh, coming into the business, new licensees or people looking to get into it, they're doing that year-round. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so social media has definitely played a part into people jumping into real estate because it looks easy. 100%. It looks so easy. You know, they people taking pictures with their keys and they soul sign but you don't know what it took to get there. And mm-hmm. so I think that's what a lot of people end up finding out, that this is really a real grind and a real hustle. Um, as I was sharing with you on the statistics side from the National Association, over 50% of new agents retire that license in the first year. Mm. Now, that's a high statistic. Think 100%, about 100%. So now that goes to tell you either they find out they don't have the chops for it, they mm-hmm. can't stomach it, or they find out I can't keep up with the fees, 
But I have to, I have to be honest with you. School doesn't prepare you for the real world experience. 100%. School prepares you to pass a test. Once you pass the test, you can throw that book to the side because you're not going to use it. The real world experience is something totally different, and I think that's what shocks people because now they feel like I got to really do some work. Uh, you know, and it's not as easy as they thought. Not to mention, you're having to come into a market where you're competing with four thousand other agents out here. So it's very competitive. Oh really? Oh really? Mm-hmm. So if it was one thing that you think makes most real estate or that fifty percent hang their license up in that first year, what would you say if you had to attribute it to one thing? What's the one thing that most people getting into real estate aren't prepared for? I would say the fees. The fees. That's the biggest thing. Because, <laughs> you know, as long as it ain't costing you, you'll ride it out. Mm-hmm. But no, we're we're a part of an industry uh, that requires us to pay fees. And so if you're not selling a house, as I tell people, this becomes a very expensive hobby. Mm-hmm. And that's going to usually, when your pocket get tapped out, you mm-hmm. can tap out. <laughs> so what, what are the fees for? Are they like fees for licenses or... Well, we're required to be a part of the association, the you know city, um, the Memphis area association of realtors. If you're a licensee here, you're required to be a part of that board, mm-hmm. and they have quarterly fees as a member. Mm. So that's what that's for. Also, the MLS is one of our largest website website platforms that people search for homes on, and the realtors push out our homes because when we push out our homes, you got people like Zillow getting our homes. You got Realtor.com. You see, if you wonder where those houses come from. They come from our MLS feed. Mm. That's where we share houses for other realtors, and we make appointments and show people from our own proprietary information. Mm. But the third-party handlers, like Zillow, mm-hmm. again, they're getting their houses and they're advertising. So um, there's fees to be a member and pay for that you know, whole association, access to that information. That's, that's, just, that's where the fees come in, and it's a quarterly thing. Mm-hmm. So do sites, third parties like that, have sites like Zillow been more of a help or a hindrance? to the real estate game for a real estate agent? In some ways, I wouldn't say a hindrance, but we've had to push back on the access of information that they're getting from us because, again, it's our houses that they're advertising on their sites. Mm -hmm. And uh, up until recent, like, for instance, if a house I have out there is for sale on Zillow, Zillow wasn't even pushing a person back to me, and it's my home. They was pushing it to an agent that was paying them to advertise on their platform. So we had to push back on that and say, hey, no, this is our listing. This is my house that I'm marketing. If you're going to give any lead back out, they need to come directly to me. Mm -hmm. So they did change how they um, gave credit to the listing agent, the person that's bringing a home to the market. They did recently change that because, I mean, that wasn't fair to take our information. Because you got a person over here paying you to advertise. You Mm -hmm. let them. If somebody said, you want to know more about this house, they're getting a phone call, not Mm -hmm. the person that's providing this information. So, yeah, we've had to really fight for um, just our whole stance and protect that, you know, that's our information. You're marketing off of our stuff. Mm. So, yeah, it's it's, it's been a struggle with that. But like I said, they've come around. Now they really direct those people back to the agent that brought the property to the market, too. So it's changed. Okay, okay. So how um, recent is that change? Is that like? I would say within the last year. Oh, wow. Yeah, our properties now, if people push a button, they're going to call us on our houses. So how long has Zillow been around? Because I know they've been around for a lot longer than a year. So how long? Oh, yeah. How old, what was Zillow? So it's about, you know, maybe 10, 15 years or so. If I, I'm not wow. exactly sure so, on the exact date, but over 10 years. So somewhere between 9 and 14 years, like, you could post yeah. a house on Zillow and they send 
the listening to another real estate agent. No, Zillow, some kind of way, paid for access to our system to pull our houses off our system onto their site. Oh, so you they don't even ask have us to. nothing. So you didn't even have to post a house on Zillow. No, sir. We don't post nothing on Zillow. Remember, oh, we're paying fees to our association for this website, this platform. Zillow has some kind of way got an agreement with them that they'll advertise our houses to so-called give us more exposure on their site. So, no, I don't post anything to Zillow. They're pulling it from our proprietary site. Oh, and that's wow. not just Zillow. Let me you keep talking about Zillow, but we're talking about Redfin. I know you've heard of them. Mm-hmm. Realtor.com mm-hmm. and some of the other uh, third-party sites, they all pull from our MLS, which is called a multiple listing service. They oh, all pull wow. it from there. And so we want to get credit for our advertising. because we, We're marketing. We pay, we pay for professional photos. You're using our stuff. Mm-hmm. So we want to get credit for that. 100%. 100%. Oh, wow. I didn't even know that's that. Yeah. <laughs> so what are some of the other like pitfalls and stuff like that that people don't know about real estate that when you get into the real estate game, you have to figure out how to navigate? Um, I don't know if it's pitfalls, but I think something that becomes a rude awakening to a lot of newbies is that you find out that people that know you, your friends, and perhaps some of your family members, they don't want you to know they're busy. Mm. So they're not going to use you. And that's going to hurt at first because you can be like, well, I know them. They knew I had a license. They know I'm trying to build my business. How come they didn't come to me? And you have to really understand it's something about their personal information they don't want you to know. And you and the family, you the cousin, it's just something they don't want you to know. And people will not do business with you over that. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a shocker. And that's something you have to get over. And it happens across the board. I've talked to realtors across the country. It happens to all of us. And you can't take it personally. You have to understand that person wants to keep their information private. They feel like you want to talk or tell if it's family or whatever. Mm-hmm. So they're going to go use someone else. And that sometimes hurt initially. That's wild. Yeah. And, <laughs> and don't real estate agents, like, make a commission on the houses and stuff, every house they sell? Oh, absolutely. So they'll go get that commission to somebody else. Then they, they help you. Right. Then they help want you feed you your, your family. Personal yeah, information. Something about their information they don't want people to know. And that does happen. It's crazy. It's it is, you know. Maybe if it was a car washing business and you ain't got to know their business, they'll let you wash their car. 100%. But when you're talking about credit and yeah. banking and what they qualify for, they don't want you to know, and so they won't use you. So that's a real eye-opener. Does that happen more often? Do not, like, do more of your family and friends and stuff go other places because they don't want you to know their personal information, or is that more of an exception to the rule? Uh, maybe an exception. It doesn't happen frequently. Yeah. I, I have to say I'm thankful and uh, grateful that my you know, my family and friends in the circle, they have trusted me mm-hmm. to guide them. Um, because to be quite honest, they could ask me questions. They may not feel comfortable asking somebody else, and they know they can just ask me and call me off the cuff, and I'm going to give it to them, you know, the way that it mm-hmm. is. So I'm thankful for uh, that type of relationship with my family and inner circle, that they have trusted me to guide them. They didn't feel like it was something they didn't want me to know for the most part. But sometimes it happens, you know, cousin or somebody else, and they say, ah, well, I ain't and you, again, you can't take it personally. It's just what's in their head. It's crazy. It happens. <laughs> Trust me, I ain't had it happens. It's crazy. Okay, so give me one like positive and negative, crazy thing, unexpected thing that happened in the real estate game. Positive and a negative. Well, um, So 
the positive, of course, is always working with the client, family, individual, whoever it is, and helping them walk through that process and get to the end of their goal. Because you know that they've shared with you what their needs are, uh, where they're trying to be, you know, in two or three months, and if they got a lease that's coming up, or, you know, if they've got a life change, they got to move, they got to relocate, we got to sell our condo, we need you to be here, or I want to come from downtown to Germantown. Helping them get to the end of the process and meeting their goal. And if they're satisfied, they feel like they got a good deal, they feel like their money was spent wisely, and that you guided them in a prompt and professional way, that's the most gratifying feeling that you can get because that's your, always the goal is to get people there and to handle them handle them correctly. Um, surprisingly, negative thing, I guess, <laughs> I mean, you know, after 23 years, I don't know if I'm surprised anymore, mm-hmm. but, you know, you will have people that you've already kind of educated them on a process and we tell them, don't go, once you're approved and we're looking for a house and once we get on the contract, don't go do anything with your credit. Don't go buy no refrigerator. You can't buy nothing until we close. Surprisingly, mm-hmm. you'll have people that'll go out and say, yeah, but I needed a stove. Now they credit score. Mm-hmm. And see, what they don't know or they should know because we tell you in the beginning, they're going to pull your credit again before we go to the closing table. You need to maintain that same credit score. You cannot go out and make a big purchase. You cannot go up and drive your credit cards high. Because you, you know, shopping. Don't try to help somebody or co-sign because you're going to kill this deal. And sometimes that happens after you do on people and you don't work that hard. And they miss it just like that because they made a decision that they couldn't do. Mm-hmm. That happens. So how? Um, or change jobs. Oh, wow. Thinking that, oh, I'm going for more money. Yeah, but the underwriter verified you right here. They don't want to see you do nothing until you sign these papers. And we tell people that. You have people that will go out and make these big changes, and it'll kill the deal. Wow. So even a change of job, not just affects to your credit, can affect the deal. It certainly can, especially if you move from a different field to what mm-hmm. you was in. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, all that's got to be verified again. You ain't been there long. You know, if it wasn't a continuous thing and you had a lapse in employment because mm-hmm. you took a vacation in between that, oh, that's called a lapse. They don't want to see that. And so some people think that they can do these things, or they'll say, no, understand, you are going to the house where you're going to need to stove, but you may not do it before you sign these papers, because it's going to pull on your credit. Mm. And that's that sometimes shocks us that people do that after we've told them, don't do nothing. <laughs> yeah. So, how long is that process usually from the time that the deal, you guys start looking into the deal, so, uh, you said they, like, when they first pulled their credit to closing. Oh, well, when initially you're getting pre-approved, well, we got to get out here and find a house. It could take us six weeks, five weeks, eight weeks, depending. Mm-hmm. And right now, with us having such a low inventory market and a shortage of homes, it's taking us a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then not only that, because we have such a low inventory, but unfortunately, a lot of times, if there's a nice house coming out, you finna bid. You finna bid against somebody else. You finna bid against four or five other people. That's complicated. And you mm-hmm. may lose that bid if you don't come very, very strong. And, you know, mm-hmm. depending on your financial situation, you can only come as strong as you can come. So if you lose the bid, that just prolongs our time of looking, unfortunately. Mm. Um, so is so, there like so an average Well, if we're looking five or six weeks, I'll say once we find a house, go under contract. Mm-hmm. Normally, once you go under contract, you're going to be closing or finalizing that deal within 30 to 45 days, typically. Mm-hmm. That's your closing window. Okay. And we tell them, hey, once we do this, and the underwriter's looking at everything, you done sent in some more bank statements and checks to us. They trying to make sure you haven't changed anything. Don't do nothing. We tell them that. Don't do nothing. Don't go charge nothing. Don't go co-sign for nobody. Don't change jobs. 
don't do nothing because they finna check everything that they checked originally on you. They check it again at the end. Mm. And sometimes people don't listen, and they end up being like, "But I didn't think this was gonna hurt. This pill gonna work for that." And you say, "Look, man, we can't do all that. Mm. Now we don't get all that drug to the end for the consequences." But more importantly, they don't get the help. And mm-hmm. once again, people have to listen to us and really let them let us guide them, and they have to understand. This is a financial decision, and the bank wants to make sure that you're credit worthy and that you're financially stable. But they, they need to see it all the way through these 30 days that you haven't done anything. And so that's the importance of understanding that. And sometimes when it happens, we be like, how? How did you do this? Mm-hmm. And then they so hurt and upset that they ain't finna get the house. But it's like, who told you? Who mm-hmm. can change you? So that that's something that, you know, is kind of unsettling and you never get used to. But, I mean, we've seen it happen, so it's not like we know it can't happen. We're not shocked when mm-hmm. it does. Mm-hmm. But you hate it for the individual because now they set back. Now you got to get back in your lease, and now mm-hmm. you can't buy. Uh, or crazy. or the owner, your, your credit score maybe dropped 10 points. That's not a lot, but that person with the house ain't not going to wait for you to get back up 10 points. You just done lost that house, mm-hmm. and now you got to start over. So that can be a little bit disheartening. Wow. Yeah. So happens. is that a common occurrence or is it maybe every so often maybe every so often it's not mm-hmm. common like it don't happen every month most people listen to you and they do what you say and not only are they listening to you but they're listening to the person that's doing their financing mm-hmm. because again as the realtor my job is to search for you a home i'm gonna show you we're gonna go out and tour homes we got to walk through it we got to see if everything's right we're gonna do inspections that's my lane I don't do the financing part. I ain't checking your bank, your bank stu- your bank statements and your check stub. That's what the loan officer does. So they run in their lane and they're telling you what they need and they're telling you what you got to do and what you can't do. They really telling you. So it's up to you to make a decision that, you know what? 30 days to the finish line, I'm finna just stay steady. I ain't finna do nothing. Sign these papers, get my keys. Hey, get your U-Haul truck, do whatever you're going to do, but mm-hmm. just got to sign these papers. Everything got to stay steady till you sign off on that. Hundred percent, hundred percent. So, uh, do you mind talking numbers on here? Can we talk numbers? On? It's okay, yeah. Okay, so I I know pretty much nothing about the real estate game, so all of this is very valuable to me. So, my first question is: there like a set rate on the commission? Is it like always ten percent of the house? Is it depending on like what does that depend on? I mean, it can be different. Um, like like for instance. People mm-hmm. in the commercial field, then their their commission rates are much. They're different from ours. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they don't even say what they are. Oh, really? They don't have to, right? So theirs is going to be different. It fluctuates. Uh, I may say typically it's higher than what we sell because my my uh, focus is single family residential homes. That's mm-hmm. the majority of my business, and typically, um, you know, we have commissions that that could range from two and a half to three percent in that mm-hmm. field. Um, we're not really supposed to discuss commissions, but typically that's where it's going to fall. Okay. Generally, 3% is what you're getting off of a house, mm-hmm. the price of a home. Okay. And uh, as a buyer, you're not really coming out of pocket with that. You're not paying our commission. The seller is. Mm-hmm. So whoever's selling the house, they're paying their agent and your agent. Mm-hmm. So the buyer don't pay us. Okay. Yeah, the seller. Whoever's selling the house pays us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's something people need to understand. Okay, and... Um, you said you you more so on the um, personal side, not the commercial side of real estate. My personal single family. Single family. I apologize. Yeah, no, that's apologize. okay. Yeah, single family residential. 
Okay. He's the biggest of my sales of both of my sales. Okay. So um, when it comes to single family residential, what is, could you say what the highest deal was that you've done a single family for? Like the, um, you're saying over 20 some years. Uh, ooh, cause yeah, uh, you know, the market's been up and the market's been, been down. So probably if I had to think there's some in Carterville that I've had back in the day, they may have been 600,000, a little over half million. Okay. That's been, that's been a while. Mm-hmm. Um, typically right now, our average median sales price in this area is running like two forty. Okay. So, I mean, but you know, you can sell over that if somebody mm-hmm. wants to buy a home mm-hmm. over that. But that's where our median price is falling. Yeah. So, um, but we've had some, you know, a few that were half a million. Okay. That were in Germantown and Carterville. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. So, would you say um, the price? Well, I know it's dependent on like where you are. Like, I know real estate and. LA is a lot more expensive oh, than yeah. real estate uh-huh. here. Most definitely. Do you say that's the biggest thing that determine prices? Do you think it's more so home, neighborhood? What do you think more so is the most important thing when it comes to pricing. real estate pricing? Well, first of all, pricing is based on supply and demand. Mm-hmm. And if you don't understand that whole concept, when the demand is high, mm-hmm. then that like it is now. So we got a high demand, but guess what? Mm-hmm. So demand high, supply low, what that's going to do? Drive prices because there ain't up. enough supply. Mm-hmm. On the inverse of that, when the supply is high, mm-hmm. we got a lot of houses, but we don't have the demand, prices come down. That's a buyer's market. We ain't seen that in quite a while mm. uh, because, again, new construction has not kept pace with demand, and we're not turning over enough houses. The people that's really want them, we don't have enough inventory. Mm-hmm. And that's like on a 15-year low. Mm-hmm. I don't know how we would catch up with that, but um, – the demand right now is keeping the prices high because the supply is low, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's what determines price. Okay. So. But also supply and demand, but also your city. Mm-hmm. Memphis has a really low cost of living as 100%. compared to some cities. 100%. So that's going to determine pricing as well. Like houses here are lower than prices in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Again, Atlanta is a little more upperly mobile place, and the houses prices are a lot higher there. You have people making more money there. So that's going to determine a lot of things depending on where you live. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, I want to kind of uh, flip the page back to more of the process and things like that. If you were to be able to talk to your younger self and your younger self was going to get started in real estate today, you could get one piece of information like to get started. What would that one piece be? And I always think about that sometimes because I hear people ask themselves that. And I would say something I wish I had been told or something I wish I had did when I first started was got and sat down with a CPA. Mm. You need the CPA to tell you how to structure your business. Because okay. trust me, making money comes with paying taxes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, you know, you don't always want to have to pay the man a high tax bill at the end of the year. So you need to understand how your business needs to be structured, whether that's mm-hmm. a sole proprietor, that's an LLC, whether that's a corporation that may pay lower taxes. Understanding that whole principle and concept mm-hmm. is going to help you set the foundation for your business going forward and perhaps save you some, some tax problems down the road or having a high tax bill. That is something I wish I had known and understood and did more time if I had to say something to my younger self. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is it a common occurrence? Is that a common triple for people when they're getting started in the real estate field, the finance or the business side is not 
uh, 100% where it could be? That's a common problem for entrepreneurs, period. It ain't, it ain't related to real estate. Uh, and unfortunately, a lot of us, and I mean us as in, you know, uh, minorities, we don't have the information. Um, maybe we don't know that we need to seek out this information. And years down the road, we can find ourselves in some tax trouble mm -hmm. because we didn't know that we needed to structure our business in such a way that our taxes would even, you know, we can reduce the taxes through a corporation or, you know, and also having the protection of an LLC because people will sue you. Mm -hmm. So again, having the va value and the feedback from a CPA really sets you up in a lot of ways. Now, as a real estate licensed professional, you do have to have what they call E&Os, mm -hmm. insurance, errors and omissions. Yeah. Because you got to have some insurance because, you know, in case somebody going to sue you because people like to sue. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so as a part of holding a license, you're required to have this like a li type of liability insurance we call E&O. And again, the CPA still can help you decide to what degree you're going to run your business to, you know, what are your long term goals through the five years? If that's what your plans are, this is probably how you need to set your business up. 100%. Yeah. And, and I think that's important because finding it out as you go and finding it out on the back you're gonna pay for it I just, you know and that's again that's across the board trucking companies all other entrepreneurs and I, and i'm glad you brought that up because let me give you a prime example of the downfall of not knowing mm -hmm. barbers beauticians they get paid a lot of what cash. cash and unfortunately you know with cash guess what you can write your income to whatever you said mm -hmm. down low write it off but when you come to buy a house and you said you only made twenty thousand last year. Guess what? You ain't finna come up under twenty thousand because mm. you don't go down your money. That gets people every time. They be like, I ain't want the tax bill. I understand, but guess what? Now because you ain't want the tax bill, you don't look like you made no money. So you see what I'm saying? The bank don't know how to lend you on twenty. Mm -hmm. So that's another thing we tell people: if you're going to buy a house and you're self-employed, because now we're talking about being self-employed, you gotta know that you gotta show your income on your taxes because that's what the bank is going to qualify you on. If you're writing it all down to zero because you don't want to pay any taxes, you ain't going to be able to buy what you want. That's just a fact. Mm -hmm. And again, having the right CPA and tax person on your team is going to really help you to avoid some pitfalls mm -hmm. that way. But even for qualifying for what you want, you need to know how you need to look. Again, we uh, as entrepreneurs don't seem to sometimes get the information or know how we need to present on paper. Mm -hmm. And you said... So uh, I just want to spin back on a couple terms. You said E&O. What does E&O stand for? Errors and omissions. Errors and omissions. And um, just for the audience, CPA? The tax person. Okay. Mm -hmm. Certified yeah. public accountant. Yes, definitely right. in the beginning. Yeah. Because they're going to tell you, first of all, being a business owner, entrepreneur, whatever that is, whether it's real estate or whatever, you get a lot of tax write-offs. Because mm -hmm. some of your expenses, your fees, your supplies, you're going to write that off on your taxes. But, again, um, that's fine, especially when you're trying to buy nothing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but when you're trying to purchase things or increase your credit line, you have to show your income. And sometimes that's going to cost you a little tax money. But you want to be able to move and scale and grow your business the way you need to. Now, if you're steady and you're saying, hey, man, I'm not going to do anything in the next two or three years, no large purchases, but I want to be able to write these expenses off, bring my tax bracket down, they'll got you. And that's mm -hmm. what the tax person does. So. Mm -hmm. It's, it's definitely good to have a good tax experienced professional on your team as you start because mm -hmm. taxes are serious and people get in trouble with taxes. Hundred percent, hundred percent. So we we spoke briefly um, off camera. You were saying that certain real estate um, transactions are tax free events. I believe 
I couldn't. Or are you saying? Oh, I said if you're going to use money from your 401k. Okay. Like if you have a job and you're building a 401k, mm-hmm. you can buy a home without a tax penalty. You can borrow from that to buy a home mm-hmm. without a tax penalty from your 401k. Okay. Do people do people do that often or most people don't know that? Well, in some cases, if they need, if they don't have enough funds saved up, mm-hmm. yeah, they'll, tap to, they'll tap into their 401k on the job. And then that's good because... Mm-hmm. I mean, your your home is a, is a great investment, and you know, hopefully it's going to grow. And so, to borrow borrow from your four hundred one k is a good thing if you haven't gotten mm-hmm. it in. Okay, okay, yeah, that was uh, yeah, that was something I haven't um heard too often. So I yeah, definitely people don't to... know that, and people don't talk about it. But that's definitely an avenue if you haven't saved enough money up to mm-hmm. get four hundred one k on the job. Mm-hmm. So, if somebody was looking to get into real estate, what are like the normal steps people should look to take? Well, I mean, you know, whatever is driving them, their interest into real estate, I would say, you know, go and talk to some people, different interview with different companies to see, you know, what they offer, how they're going to help you, you know, grow your business, and just even understanding the whole world of real estate. Because, again, that classroom and that book is not telling you about the real world. Mm -hmm. And I say, you know, to people, the dream is free, but the hustle is sold separately. You still got to get out here. You got to hustle, and you find out what that's all about. So, like I say, it's a low uh, entry to real estate. You're just taking what a sixty hour course. You still have real estate schools for that, and you, mm-hmm. then you go and take your state license, the state test, and get your license. So that part is easy. It's once you pass the test and get mm-hmm. established and getting started that you really get out here and go, oh. They didn't tell me that in real estate school. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got these fees. They didn't tell me that. See, that's another thing. You need to understand what the fees are to get started. Because mm-hmm. there are getting started fees. Mm-hmm. You need to know what that is. Because you need to, you know, try to put that aside or be prepared to pay it. And so, I, again, I think that's a pitfall for a lot of people and why so many people end up giving their license up in the first place. Mm-hmm. They're just not prepared. Okay, so we did briefly speak on fees. What would be another one of those things that coming right out, like, you would want newer people into the game to understand. Or one of those things that, like you said, you just weren't prepared for based on going through um, training and the book testing. Well, I would say to anyone new that would be venturing into real estate or thinking about getting into it, um, (laughs) technology keeps changing. And so it's just a thing that you're going to have to accept and keep up with. Because trust me, technology today ain't what it was. 10, 15 years ago, it's mm-hmm. going to keep changing. You have to keep up with the technolo- technological changes in real estate. Um, but more importantly is having a solid foundation to get started. You need the right business systems in place as you're starting to grow and bring on clients. Mm-hmm. You need a database to track those people and to nurture those people and so those people will refer business to you. A lot of people don't get started with their database, and I don't know if that's a lack of not knowing or going to a company where they don't really teach you that. Having systems in place, whether it's your email, marketing, marketing is huge because that's really what it's about. You have to stay in front of people. You have to keep your name out there. This business is about lead generation. If you can't generate leads, you're not going to make money. And again, I just told you it was highly competitive. Because 4,000 people licensed in this city. So what are some of the things that you can do to stay competitive? What are some of the uh, best ways you've seen to 
But again, generate leads. you got to up your marketing game. You mm-hmm. got to stay visible. I mean, mm-hmm. how will somebody know your real estate agent if you're not talking about it? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You're posting about it. How will they know? They're not. So they're going to go to whoever's out there who's the loudest, who they see, who's showing that they're giving people keys, who's putting a sign up, who said, oh, look at this beautiful house I have over here. That's who gets the business is whoever can be the loudest on your marketing side, honestly. you got to be visible. Because, um, again, I just told you, don't count on your friends and family. Mm-hmm. They ain't going to jump you off right like you think they are. Just 100%. Don't, you ain't going to be able to count on them now. Sorry, with a whole new batch of friends and people that want to get to know you. Definitely, um, great. Okay, so getting started into real estate, you said you want to go find some people and companies that are doing the style of real estate that you want to get into, correct? Well, you said. just interviewing them to see if they're fit for you. Okay. Right. So, you know, when you get licensed, you'll say, okay, this company here, I think I really line up. They, they Their vision and what they're offering lines up with what I need and what I, I can get with, or it's a good environment in here. They're giving training to the new agents because mm-hmm. the new agents need training. Yeah, they're not just pushing me off over here to tell me get on this online course, but they're really mm-hmm. kind of, you know, taking me step by step initially. They're giving me those foundational systems that I need to have in place to grow my database, to grow my marketing, and how mm-hmm. I need to appear so that people can find me. They're giving me these foundational tools to get my business off to a good start. Yes, you need to find a company that's going to provide that energy for you. 100%. So whether that's a big big box company, medium company, or a boutique company, you have to identify that. Mm-hmm. My company is what we call a boutique because mm-hmm. it's small and it's catered to you know individuals. I'm not a big big box company like when I say big box, Keller Williams, Remax, those household mm-hmm. names that are all over the country. Okay. Then you got mid sized firms as well. Okay, so I guess my question would be: Would real estate kind of be in an industry that is individual? So, like. With real estate being a field to where it's usually, and I could be wrong, um, but typically what I've seen in real estate is usually one agent selling the house. Does that make the game like very cutthroat? Does it make it harder to find mentors and things? Because they know if you get competitive in the market and really get to selling homes, there's less homes for them to sell. Or is it usually easy to find people who will teach you the game and things like that? Well, yeah, it's, I would say it's easy to find people that will mentor you. Mm-hmm. Um, tell you something. People that's getting a bag, they ain't worried about no new person coming to this business because they mm. already driving their lane. So mm. don't ever think, oh, he's scared to show me something because he's finna think I'm finna get his money. No. No, you're not. You got some catching up to do. 100%. That ain't it. I'll never feel that way about a new agent because I'm thinking they don't know what they don't know because they just started. So mm-hmm. no, you just have to find the right person that's willing to spend time that has that heart of a teacher mm-hmm. uh, that says, you know what, let me help this person uh, it can be mutually beneficial, you know. Hey, for instance, I need you to come out. I want you to hold this open house for me. Let me show you how to hold an open house. That's important. That's good training for you to get hands on with an agent that says, let, let me show you how to hold this open house. Next house I get, you run the open house because guess what's going to happen? Anybody that comes in there that doesn't have an agent, that's a lead for you because mm-hmm. they let you work it. They're not saying, hey, call me. That's my person. That's a lead for you. So mm-hmm. working open houses can be lead generations for you and potential clients. And then, so there's a lot of agents that, that's busy that they don't mind you doing that. Mm-hmm. No, you just have to find the right people. 100%. Yeah, 100%. that's still the process. Okay. So when you got started, how long did it take you to find your first deal? To make a first, my first sale? Mm-hmm. 
Well, not probably, I think I want to say maybe closer to four months, five mm-hmm. months, somewhere in there. Because, okay. you know, again, remember I had a regular nine to five mm-hmm. and I had young kids, two young kids under 10. And so really just trying to get uh, my legs under me and learn the business was not hard because I would spend weekends and evenings doing it. And so and going to the office and being around the people in the environment or folks that's doing it. So that's going to help speed you along. But probably maybe the first four months I would say into the business before I got the first deal. Mm-hmm. Is that um common? Is that quick? Is that they so said that most typically new agents get their bid, their first deal within six months. Okay, but again, that's not always the case. Some mm-hmm. do it less. Some do it in two months. Mm-hmm. Uh, it depends on who you know. You know mm-hmm. who you know, and are you talking to those people? Mm-hmm. That's the thing. So the quickest way to speed up, if you had to give one thing, the quickest way to speed up your journey in real estate, you would say is find somebody who's doing what you want to do and learn from them. Absolutely. Talk to people, interview people, get all the pros and cons. Don't just get all the pros Mm because the cons aren't coming. Mm -hmm. You need to get all the pros and cons and know what to expect. Mm -hmm. Again, it's it's having a level of expectancy so you can be prepared. Mm -hmm. It's not to scare you, but you need to be better prepared. And then that's going to close the gap, the learning gap a lot quicker and you can get your deals done faster. Mm -hmm. And definitely you... um, you have to be a people person. It's a people business. And so mm-hmm. you got to be willing to talk to people, get out there, show your face, pass your cards out, all of that stuff that will come in handy. And that's why I say a lot of people may find out in the beginning, I don't want to do all that. You know, and I ain't mm-hmm. got the chops for all that. I'm, or I'm an introvert. I ain't no extrovert. I don't like talking to people. So that's going to slow you up. 100%. So you said you're more so into single family real estate than commercial. What made you go and say, Single family is where I want to want what I want my niche to be. Well, that was simple. It's about helping families, and so mm. families is that you know the core of the need is what I saw because um, black people don't own as many homes as white people, and so since the '60s and the fair housing laws that were that were um, put in place. We're still seemingly to fight discrimination in housing and fairness and affordable housing seems to be a, a prevailing issue from generation to generation, even from where we are or where we've come from the sixties into two thousands, we finding ourselves in those same met those same metrics and those same numbers. And it's like, where's the progress? Well, a lot of times, as they say, <laughs> when white America has a cold, we got the flu over here. Black mm-hmm. people got the flu. It, it's hitting us doubly hard. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, we lose ground. We lose our financial backing. We lose our equity. We lose our houses. Like in the housing crisis of 2008, a lot of people now across the board lost homes. But it really took the black community back in terms of almost, you know, numbers and stats that was from the 60s. And that ain't where we want to be. So my heart and my passion is to helping families obtain mm-hmm. homeownership. Um, it's generational wealth. Mm-hmm. You know, our parents pass. Our parents leave us the house. They want us to. They want to leave us the house, whether we want to move back in it or not. They want it to be passing that wealth or that asset on down to their kids, and that's mm-hmm. what it's about. And and you know, even even if the kids decide to sell the home, that's still an asset that you got to mm-hmm. sell, or make you know some money will come out of it mm-hmm. if you don't want to keep it. But you know, we always seem to have a job of educating and showing people how to do that, mm-hmm. and so that's what I, my passion drives me, and that's where I stay in the family, single family residential side of it all. Hundred percent. Is there um? So- particular story that's sticking out to you where you um really got to like help a family and it I don't know just struck maybe a different nerve because of the particular situation a particular time or anything 
because <laughs> you're talking about a lot of years. Um, it don't have to be the best one. Just kind of like a favorite. Well, you know, really got to help a family. So many. I don't know. I don't know. It's been so many. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, you know, for the individual that think they couldn't do it, mm-hmm. they don't think they got enough of what it takes to get a house. Having that individual get to the finish line, that's mm-hmm. that's hugely rewarding. Mm-hmm. Because again, in the beginning, they didn't think they could, or you know, their credit was fine, but they were nervous about it. You know, their finances was fine, but they still was nervous about it. Guess what? They the first one in their family owning a house because mom and grandma were renting. Mm-hmm. So they're first generational homeowners. That's mm-hmm. huge. Mm-hmm. So to see somebody attain that for the first time or be a first time homeowner in that family, that's huge. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, that's very gratifying. You know, even over above the money, but um, there's been some cases like that but again I can't say one that really sticks out or you know mm-hmm. something in the heart but for me getting that person that didn't think they could to mm-hmm. the finish line oh that's huge 100% 100% okay uh, is there like okay so I know there are pre-qualifications and things like that like you said there are people who don't believe they can um, is there kind of like an industry standard like okay once you get here you can start looking at homes and real estate or stuff like that like credit score finances or is it just whenever you as a person comes to that place try to find a real estate agent that can work with you yeah absolutely so pre-approval and Mm -hmm. getting yourself pre-approved by the bank that's always the first step Mm -hmm. because again how can i take you out and we shopping for you know, we shopping for a Toyota, but you really, you know, you really want this Mercedes over here. Well, we got to figure out if your budget is on Mercedes budget. So mm-hmm. we, we don't take people out to look for houses until we've established your budget and mm-hmm. your pre-approval process. And then that way you're comfortable with what you said you want your note to be. And the bank is saying, okay, this is how much you can spend. Then I know what I need to be showing you. Mm-hmm. So it all goes hand in hand. I don't want to just, you call me on the phone. Hey, I want to start looking at houses. No, let's see where you qualify at. You know, what's going to be your budget, where we need to look. That's always a good first step. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, a lot of questions that we get all the time is, is this a good time to buy a house? And I'm going to be honest with you, the answer to that, is it a good time to buy a house, is are you financially ready? And if you can find a house that you can afford, then it's a good time to buy a house. 100%. That's how you answer that question. And everybody's at a different stage with that, and we understand that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, Okay. What are what are some of the like common things that you see stopping people from getting into real estate? Into the real estate game as an agent. That stops people from getting into real estate as an agent? Mm-hmm. I really I don't know that there are. I mean I mean I ain't ran into a lot of people that they couldn't get into it. Oh really? No, that's not an issue. Uh as long as you don't have a felon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can get into real estate. Okay, so, okay, maybe not get into real estate. What do you think stops people from? Okay, if you saying it's like easy to get the license, oh, what do you threshold. think? Yeah, hundred percent. Actually, like selling houses and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. What's hard? What stops people from selling homes? Yeah, hundred percent. As a licensed agent, mm-hmm. nine times out of ten, you ain't doing the work. Mm-hmm. You haven't built up a customer base. You're not talking to enough people. This is a numbers game. If mm-hmm. you ain't talking to enough people, then you ain't going to close enough deals. Some people get so focused on the one deal they got on the table that guess what? 
they stop marketing. They be like, oh, I'm going to close this in 30 days. I'm going to get this check. I'm good. You can't stop. Because when that one is gone, you on to the next one. And so just because you got a contract or two on the table that's going to close and you're going to get paid, you cannot stop, stop talking to them. Because mm. it continuously is all about the next lead, the next client. And so I think some people get comfortable and they stop doing it. And then once they get that check, they be like, oh, where my next client coming from? You cannot stop. You can't stop marketing yourself. You can't get comfortable. You know, unless you just someone that determined, hey, I'm only going to do this part-time. Now, if I sell four or five houses, I'm good. If you're that person, then you ought to be good that you've already said, I'm just going to sell four or five houses. So you know that your grind is different from somebody that's full-time, and this is what they do all the time, and they need to close something every month. Mm -hmm. So that's up to the individual how much they want to work for it. I would say that's what stops them, how hard they want to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because ain't nobody going to give it to you. (laughs) You got to really go out here and find it. 100%. Well, this has been very, very um, informative for me. I've learned so much. Um, Okay. I kind of already asked like a couple of questions that I usually ask in closing. So I guess, is there anything that you want to make sure people understand about real estate? Anything you want to leave the people with when it comes to the real estate game? Again, the dream is free. (laughs) <laughs> and it looks easy and looks good on social media, but the hustle is sold separately. And when I say the hustle is sold separately, it's a metaphor, but I really mean it. Because when I say it's sold, either you're going to pay for it in time with learning and training, or you're going to pay for it in courses and training. But you're going to pay for it one way. And so, again, you have to be prepared for that. And you're going to pay fees to get started. So, again, the hustle is sold separately. You got to know what you got to pay to get yourself off the ground. It's an investment into your business. And if you're serious, you ought to be willing to do that. Mm. So you have to decide where you want to start. It's all up to the individual. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you so much. Oh, thank for you for coming by and giving us this great information. I learned a lot. I know there are going to be a lot of people who learned a lot from this episode. I hope so. I, so so. I want to say thank you for all of us. And if you would love to come back, we would definitely love to have you again because there are a million more questions I have regarding real estate and things like that. So Fallon, can I get my number? Hundred percent. If anybody listens to this and they have any questions, by all means contact me because I don't mind answering questions. Uh, I can be reached uh, on my cell phone, 901-690-6795. Again, licensed broker owner. And being a broker simply means that I have real estate agents under me. Mm-hmm. I can manage other agents. Okay. That's what being a broker means. And so I've I've attained that level mm-hmm. of uh, management as a broker. And then also, uh, I teach home buyer education classes. So sometimes people need to understand that, like for the down payment assistance for first time home buyers, mm-hmm. you have to go through an education class. And so I teach those. And so again, just preparing people to understand the process of financing, credit, and everything that you're going to go through to buy this house. But not only that, we want you to be able to be sustainable in your home. And so there's steps after that to help you sustain your home ownership. Mm-hmm. And so that's another thing that I'm passionate about because. To help you get there and then you lose it, ah, that's not the goal. You know, mm-hmm. we want you to keep it and we want you to know what your options are. 100%. 100%. So, um, do you want to give your socials out as well? Um, anywhere else they can find you? We're definitely going to put the links in the description. So. Please do. If yes, you don't ma'am. Mind. That yes, would be ma'am. great. You know, that, let them link up with me and like mm-hmm. I said, follow me, ask questions, whatever it is. You know, I'm here. I'm a native Memphian, born and, born and raised right here in Memphis. So, I mean, you know, I'm here for the people, and I'm here for my community. Again, we want to raise those numbers because black and brown people need homes 
as well 100%. as everybody else. And so affordability is important. That's something that we face is affordability issues because prices are so high. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just also fair housing, you know, and discriminatory practices, you know, things that were we thought in the 60s, some of that's creeping back up and we like how. Mm-hmm. So we have to be vigilant about protecting this uh, industry and protecting people's rights because some kind of way in the political scheme of things, people are trying to take some of that away from us. Mm-hmm. So, again, we're vigilant about that. 100%, 100%. Like I said, thank you again. We thank you for stopping by, blessing us with this information. Thank you for having me. We look forward to having you again. Thank you I'm all for back. coming by, hanging out with us. We'll see you on the next one. Sounds good.